Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Kind of a simple question. We're in 21 days of prayer, and I came across this concept, and, and it's going to take a while to get to the aha today, but I hope you'll strap in and, and be ready. But it's, it's like, what, what causes people to walk away? You know, like, like what causes people to say, mm, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. Like what causes people to stop and to walk away in their faith, walk away in pursuing Christ, walk away in, and I'm not talking about church life like church attendance, because church is not something you go to, it's something you are. What, what makes people stop being the church? Well, I believe today, I want to show you straight out of God's word, the answer to that. But I'd like to show for you what God showed me this week on, on here, here's the reason why people stop. And I want to share this, and to be honest with you, I have no idea why. But I feel like there is somebody that God's put this on my heart because you've stopped, and you don't know why. And I'm going to share with you out of God's word, and you're going to realize, number one, you're human, and number two, you stopped, and number three, it's time to go again. So will you join me in God's word? We're in chapter 6. I am going to start with verse 66 on something that I bet most of you have never taken time or come across. I came across this, and it just absolutely blew me away. And here's all it said. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Now that him probably should be capitalized because the him it's referring to is Jesus. Here's the first thing I want you to realize today. Stopping is normal. Even Jesus himself had people that something took place, and because of what took place, the this, they stopped walking with him and they turned around. Now, I've been showing you guys a little bit of the way I study God's word, and it's not like this great theological, like, ooh, that's Spurgeon. That's really, it's not, I come across stuff, and I go, that, that gives me another question in my head. Like, when I read this, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You know what my question was? What's the this? I want to know what the this is. What happened? What happened to make many, not a few, not a couple, many of his disciples walk away. Well, you're going to find the answer to that in the previous verse that is verse 60. And it says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Can I read that again? Many, here's that word again. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? You know what I believe? I believe a lot of people stop and they walk away because they heard something that just seems too hard. Like when you think about your personal life, when you think about your spiritual growth, when you think about what God's calling you to, here at Crossroads, we put it this way. We want to be a life-giving church that helps you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and go make a difference. 
And you say, ooh, man, that sounds good. I want to do that. And then in the process of trying to fulfill that kind of process, something is said that is a hard saying, and you go, but I can't do that. Like, I'm all for the end result. The problem is, is that the journey to get to that end result, something is said that for whatever reason, whether it be insecurities, feeling inadequate, fear, may just be reluctant, right? Something takes place, and you go, gosh, I can't do that. That's exactly what happened here. What made them stop in this scripture is the fact that there was something that was said that they went, whew, man, now that's hard. Who can listen to that? Well, that made me think of another great theological question. What did he say? Like I read the scripture that says, because of this, many turned. I was like, well, what's the this? So I went back a few verses, and I was like, oh, okay, here's the answer. There was something that he said. There was an it. And I was like, well, what's the it? Well, can I give you the it? We're kind of working our way backwards, but it's going to make sense at the end. The it comes from verses 53 and forward, and I'm going to read it. It's a lot of scripture. Just bear with me. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living, excuse me, as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down of, out of heaven, not like the bread that your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And I read that, and you want me to tell you what I thought? I'd be out too. You want me to eat what? And you want me to drink what? You want me to eat of your flesh? And you want me to drink of your blood? Like, like that was one of those moments. Now, now i got to be real careful here. Jesus is talking. Here's what I know about Jesus. He's really good at being Jesus. He was the greatest teacher ever. Like, that's like an understatement, right? Like, Jesus was a real good teacher. Really? Like, he always was trying to take physical analogies and trying to get people to understand spiritual needs. It wasn't uncommon. This wasn't a parable, but he was trying to get them to understand something. The problem is they were struggling with these hard sayings because they were losing sight of something that had been done. And so when he's telling them to eat of my flesh, and drink, it's like some of these churchisms that people say, right? Like, can you imagine being a first-time guest? This may be you today, right? You showed up at Crossroads. like, I want to know what this Crossroads is. Hey, welcome to Crossroads. We need you to eat of his flesh and drink his blood. Hey, hon, if we slide out right now, they won't even notice. Don't worry. We don't pull out the snakes till the end of service. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's not funny, is it? It's funny to me, okay? But it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's like, what, in, what are you talking about? Well, I want to kind of pull back the curtain 
And I want to show you what God showed me that I think is going to help you understand because I believe what I just described is where a lot of us sit. We study God's word. We try to know him better. And we get caught up in semantics of some of the things that we come across. And it's a hard saying and we can't get past it. It's sayings like, whoever wants to gain his life must lose it for my sake. And we're like, what? It's sayings like, you got to deny yourself and, and take up your cross and follow me. And it's like, what? What is a man that he profits the whole world but loses his own soul? And you're like, what? Like they're hard sayings. We try to figure out what does this mean? And I think we put ourselves in the same exact situation that this group of people have put them in. And if we're not careful, if we don't take time to really dissect it and see what's going on and find out the real meaning. Now, I want to be careful. I have to chase a quick rabbit right here. I am not a guy that takes God's word and then reads it and says, now, what does that mean to you? Like, I love you, but can I give you a little piece of theological advice? It don't really matter what you think it means. The text means what it means. Like, when I study God's word, it means what it means. The question is not, well, what does that mean to you? The question is, now, how are you going to apply that to your life? Now, it can take on different meanings depending on where you're at in life. God's word is so sharp that it's as sharp as any two-edged sword. It has a way of cutting away things in your life so that you can move forward in your life. And it can take on different meanings in a situation in your life. But the text is always mean what it's always meant. That's why it has transcended time. That's called truth. Now, I'll let that go. So with that being said, well, Mickey, what does this mean? Like, if the text means what it means, like, what is he talking about? Because, dude, if you're telling me to love Jesus, I'm eating somebody's flesh, and I'm drinking somebody's blood. Like, you want me to eat of your flesh, and you want me to drink of, like, no. That's too hard. I'm walking away. I'm out. But maybe there was something else that was going on. So I want to pull back the curtain and give you the, the rest of the story. And I want to show you how amazing God's word is when we take the whole concept. And I want you to think about that. Right now, I've set it up where right now, if you're like me, you're going, dude, uh -uh, I'm not doing that. Well, can I give you the whole story? We're going to back up and realize what's really going on. And I want to do this because I want you to catch how sometimes in life we make something to be what it's not. To set this up, you need to actually go back to John chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Can I set the stage of what's been going on? Jesus has just went across the sea. Prior to that, there were these 5,000 men. And they had gathered along with women and children. It says 5,000 men. We probably talk about 20,000 people. Now, here's what's cool. They show up. They want to listen to his teaching. And it's about time to get hungry. And it's like, hey, dude, we're hungry. And the hillside is full. And they're all sitting on this grass. And Jesus is like, well, what do we got to eat? And they're like, dude, we got nothing. It's like there's, there's roughly 20,000 people here. 5,000 men. And then one of the disciples said, well, we've got a little boy that has some fishes and bread, loaves. 
And Jesus says, take it to me. And then he starts passing it out. And all of a sudden, he feeds the 5,000. It's more than 5,000, but 5,000 men. And after they get done feeding the 5,000, they collect the leftovers, and they've got more than what the boy came with. And all of these people were going, whoa. I was hungry, and he took a few fish and a couple of loaves, and he fed 10,000 people, 20,000 people. And when he got done, he had more than what he started with. We're going to follow him. It's all of a sudden, the night comes, and he leaves, and he goes across the sea, and he gets to the other side, and these people are now pursuing him. The question is, why are they pursuing him? Because they saw him being able to meet a need, and they're like, boy, if I, could, if I could get him to meet this need in my life, it would get rid of some of the other things I have to do. That's where we pick up the story. Are you ready? In verse 25. When they found him, being Jesus, on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Listen to Jesus' answer. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate and you fill in your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. So can I just set the stage? They're trying to find Jesus. Now they're calling him rabbi, which is Greek for teacher. And they're saying, hey, man, how, how did you get over here? Man, we've been looking for you. How did you get over here? And him being Jesus, knowing all things, he's like, dude, you're not looking for me because of the sign that you saw. You're looking at me because I fed you and you want another meal. You know what I'm talking about, right? You got those people in your life that they always call or show up about dinner time. That's why they're searching for Jesus. Jesus literally tells them, you're not, you're not like you're missing it. You didn't see what I did in the miraculous. All you saw was, I'm full, and I would like some more because it's been 24 hours, and I like to eat at least three times every 24 hours. And so he picks back up, and he's talking about don't work for food that perishes, but work for something more. So, so they ask him another question. Picks back up. This is verse 28. You're going to have to stay with me. We're going to go through a lot of Scripture. He says, then they said to him, what must we do? To be doing the works of God. And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. See, he's telling them, I say, okay, man, you you showing up because not because of the sign that I gave you. You're showing up because you ate and were full. You need to be about working for food that doesn't perish. And they're like, okay, I catch it. I want what you got. How do we do that? And he gives them the answer. You got to work for this belief. Now, I want to chase another quick rabbit very, very quickly. I want you to be careful as we go through this because we can use all of the New Testament, all of God's word. I don't want you to leave here today and stop at belief. Belief is the beginning process of a relationship with Christ. But you need to know that we find out through different epistles, in particular the writings of Paul, that even the demons believe and tremble. 
Jesus doesn't want you to stop at a belief in him. He wants you to allow that belief to motivate you to actions where you accept him as Lord and Savior. Just believing in God, you will storm the gates of hell. But letting that belief turn into a relationship where you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you now have a personal relationship with Christ, and that belief changes everything. Does that make sense? So with that being said, let's pick back up the story. So now they're starting to realize that what this is 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 to believe in him who is sent. So they asked him another question. Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now they are going back. These are the Jews. Their Jewish custom, they would have been very, very knowledgeable of the Old Testament. They knew the story of Moses. They knew the story of the, the Exodus. They knew when they were taken out of captivity from Pharaoh and going to the promised land. And they realized that while they were in the promised land, they needed to eat. And so during the day, they were grumbling. And Moses petitioned God and said, man, they, they're about to kill me. Like, we, like they're hungry. We, he says, I'll give you manna. And so he'd turn around and he would... In the beginning of the day, drop this manna, and they'd be able to collect a certain amount that would get them through the day. But on Saturdays, they'd be able to get double the amount, so that way on the Sabbath, they wouldn't have to collect anything. I mean, like, like God was meeting their needs, and that's what they're referring to. Like, you're meeting these needs in my life, but tell me what we need to do, because we know of the story of Moses and how God fed the people, took care of their needs. What are you referring to? Listen to what Jesus says. You'll see it on the screen, verse 32. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they ask another question. Sir, give us this bread always. Now, I want you to understand the motive that's going on right now. This is the same type of a motive that we find in John where the the woman's at the well. And she's like, ooh, living water. Give me this living water. It was all a physical need that she was wanting to meet so that she could turn around and not have to go back to the well and be in that shame. Their, Their whole motive here was, dude, give us this bread that we won't have to do anything anymore. Give us this ultimate fulfillment. Give us all these things that are going on. Like we would really like this. And then listen to what Jesus says, a very, very familiar passage. It's the very next verse, verse 36. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, we're going to get to this hard saying in a minute, but I'm trying to get you to understand what's going on. Can I give you the real quick Mickey Clark theological, like, summary of this story? Jesus has fed 5,000 men, roughly 20,000 people. They're following him because he's able to meet a need. They find him. He knows why they're looking for him. And he says, hey, man, you're not coming because of the miracle you're seeing. You're coming because you want something from me. And what you want from me is for me to meet your physical needs so that you no longer have to do physical work to be able to meet your physical needs because you don't like the physical work to meet your physical needs. So you're thinking, wow, can I just have this without having to get it? But anyway, so he's met their need. They realize he's able to meet their need. So they don't want to have to meet that need anymore by their own works. They want somebody to meet that need for them. 
So now he's starting to tell them, well, you need to not seek bread that perishes, but you need to seek bread that is everlasting. And they're like, wow, that sounds great. What does that look like? He's talking about believing in him. And then he says, I am that bread. Now, at this point, this is when something takes place. And I believe it's the moment that would lead to many people walking away. It happens in the next few verses. You're going to see it in verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him. I'm going to get to the rest of the verse, Scott. You can leave that up. You want me to tell you what normally gets most people stuck and gets most people to walk away? Grumbling. Not fighting, not disagreeing. It's this underlining just grumble. You know what I'm talking about. You've had people in your life that, that they never really told you what they thought, but they just put enough out there for you to be like, mm, okay, so what, what's wrong? They were grumbling. Now listen to what they were grumbling about. <laughs> this is so good. They grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Now listen, here's the answer. Here's, here's why they were grumbling. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say he came down out of heaven? This, is, this was the poo purple smoke moment for me. You know what they got upset about? They knew Jesus' past and didn't realize who he was right now. Who is he to say that he came down? We know who this kid is. Is he not the son of Joseph? His mother, Mary? How all of a sudden did he say he came down from heaven? Like we know his story. We know his past. We know the things that he is of. We know what he's done. And they're grumbling because what they believe he is and what God has anointed him to be does not match up. I believe that most of us in this room, the biggest thing that keeps us from making a difference is what people from our past believe that we are and what we know God has called us to be. We don't know how to overcome what people used to say that we were, even though we know now what God has called us to be. We don't know how to let people know that I'm no longer in an active, addictive lifestyle. But now I'm restored as a recovering addict. We don't know how to let people know that I'm no longer in a struggling, unhealthy, abusive relationship or a struggling relationship or whatever it may be that I've now been restored and I know I don't need earthly love to define me because God has given me eternal love and that's what defines. We don't know how to overcome our past in order to get to our present that takes us to this amazing future. And so what do we do? We allow what other people say and grumble about us to make us get stuck. It's a rut. 
And you've heard me say this a million times. And a rut's nothing but a grave dug out on both ends. And if you stay there long enough, you're going to die. Like today is a day for us to become unstuck. Today is a day for us to move forward. And to not let hard things that have been said in God's word to keep us from doing what he's calling us to do. Like we are in this major battle. It's a, it's a time battle. How do I not let the things of my past transform and, 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 and break me down into what I'm doing right now so that it doesn't keep me from what God wants in my future? Like most of us, we don't have what God wants in our future issue. We don't have a what has God delivered me from in my past issue. We have a I don't know how to deal with the present because I'm getting sandwiched by these two. Like, I know that God forgives me of my past, and he has an amazing future for me. The problem is, is I'm getting bombarded in my present day that I honestly do not know who I am. And then I listen to people that grumble. And what they speak over me does not make me think I can get to my future. It only makes me to reflect on where I was in my past. You say, Pastor Mickey, how do I deal with that? You want a real answer? You need to get new friends. You're like, I can't. Like, they're my family. It's my mom, my dad, my in-laws, my siblings. All right, well, how about we love them well? But we quit letting what they speak over us and their grumbling define us. How about I get some friends that are going to speak some life into me? How about I get some friends that are going to speak God's truth into me? How about I get some friends that don't talk about my past, they talk about where I'm going? Like, I don't want to go on a trip with somebody that the whole time we're trying to get to this amazing destination, if you're going with me, we're going to the beach. Why? Why not? And I don't want the whole time we're going to the beach for you to be telling me, like, man, I can't wait to get to the beach, but, you know, you, you, you just passed back there. There was... I mean, back there, we could have stopped for a little while. I mean, we could have, like, I, I mean, I may need to use the potty. I, I'd like to got a drink. I, I'd like you to shut up so I can get to the beach, what I'd like. I'm not talking about my wife or my kids. I, this is just an analogy. Like, I just got in the middle of that and started thinking. I was like, that does not happen. My wife is one saying, let's get to the beach. But, like, I don't want somebody that's delaying me getting to where I know I need to get to. Like, yes, and I've tried to get better, but I'm that guy that's like, okay, guys, let's load up. When are we going to stop? Maybe we got to use it. When we got to get gas. What? Like, what if we're going to get there because I know what's there. Like, I want to get to where we can experience everything that I know that's there because I want all the moments I can get. I don't want to waste any time getting there. Now, pause button. I'm going to help a lot of you out. In my late 40s, I've started realizing that there really is fun in the journey. That it's okay to not give your daughters a bladder infection because you didn't stop to go to the bathroom. Because you are going to get there. But the problem is, is what you don't want is somebody is constantly telling you to turn around because, oh, but you missed something from your past. 
Listen, if it's in the rearview mirror, it's in that position for a reason. It's to be able to look back and know where you come from, not to go back and re-experience it. That's pretty good. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) But I think that's why we get stuck. So they're grumbling. And all this is going on. And then listen to what he says. Jesus answers them. Do not grumble amongst yourself. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets... And they will be able to be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone that has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for their life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then he gives you the hard saying that we started this message with. And here's what they didn't understand. Here's the other aha moment. When Jesus was saying, If you eat of flesh and drink of my blood, what he was talking about was it wasn't a literal eating. What he was talking about is trust. For example, today you're going to go eat lunch. Before you put anything in your body, you're going to trust that it's okay for you to eat. When he's talking to them about eating this flesh and drinking this blood, their issue wasn't an issue of understanding Their issue was an issue of knowing and trust. See, this hard saying that seems so tough is actually comes very simple when we start realizing what he's referring to is trusting in Jesus and having eternal life. You say, Mickey, what makes you say that? Well, let me get to the last part of this story. And then we're going to move into something else that I really think will drive this home. The last part of this story, which shows up in verse 66, right after these people have walked away, then verse 67 So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the one holy God. See, what he was saying was not a hard saying. What he's trying to get them to understand is, are you going to trust me? So if I put it a little bit differently, and I said, hey, guys, whoever wants to have eternal life, you have to trust in Jesus. You have to accept his death on the cross, which his physical death was his flesh, and accept his redemption that came through his blood. And through that death on the cross and buried and raised on the third day, you can have eternal life if you will trust in him and believe in him. You're like, well, I'll do that. That's what he's trying to get them to understand. Like in the beginning, we were all out, weren't we? But all of a sudden, when we realized what the truth is, we say, wow, I can be all in. 
That's the reason why most people walk away. They walk away because of people's grumbling. And in their grumbling, they miss what the truth is. You say, Mickey, how do I make sure I don't miss it? It's in the last part of the Lord's Supper. He says, do this in remembrance of me. See, when you think about your past, and can, I, can, I, can I read what I actually wrote down? I, I literally, but in that process, I literally dreamed last night this message, not prepared it. I, I, I don't know. I dreamed that I preached this message last night, and I woke up at about 2 o'clock, and I typed in my phone because I literally said something in the message that wasn't in my notes, and I woke up, and I was like, man, that, I, that's good. Like, that, that guy in my dream's good. Like, I need to say that. And here's what I wrote. I said, they could not understand what he was saying because they forgot what they had seen. Like, that hard saying that they had, the reason why they got so caught up and, and missed it, the reason why they turned away, the reason why they stopped walking with him was because of one reason. They forgot what they saw. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.